Well, we have been talking all this year about what it means to be a resilient disciple. And it is something that we've been focusing on, and it's something we've been thinking about and investing in. And as we continue in this thread throughout this year of listening to the Holy Spirit, learning how to love deeper, and then stepping into the leadership that God has placed into our sphere, we want to continue as we talk about loving Jesus. And this is where we're anchoring for the next month in loving Jesus. How do we love Jesus over and above all else? And last week, we started with talking about how God always goes first. And this came from a key scripture that I love, one of my favorites in the Bible, 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. And I love what Pastor Mitch said last week when he talked about how Christianity is not something we do but it's something Christ has done for us. And I think when we first come to Christ, we recognize this. We, we're so grateful for what God has done, and there's this revelation of the grace of God in our life. And we realize, wow, this is what Christ has done for me. But the longer we follow Jesus, for some reason, it seems that we enter into this space of maybe feeling like we owe God something, or we have to pay him back for what he's done for us, or, or maybe that we just have to earn that love because because we continue to fail and we can we continue to have flaws and so then we enter into this place of trying to prove ourselves to God but it is all about Christ and i and i want to tell you here today if you're struggling in your faith if you're struggling in serving Jesus if you're feeling like this is really hard i don't think i can do it can i just encourage you fix your eyes on God, on Christ just lift your eyes off of where you lack, and fix your eyes on Christ. And I promise he will do a perspective shift. The weight is always on Christ. The focus is always on Christ. And so from God, who always goes first, what is his expectation of our love? And that's the question that we're going to answer in the message today. Let's start with Matthew 22, 37 to 39. And he said to them, this is Jesus talking, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. We love God with our heart and our soul and our mind. And Jesus said this is the first and great commandment. But let's go back for a second to what the actual first commandment was in the Old Testament in Exodus 3, verse 20. Do you remember what it was? The very first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. And this is the fulfillment of that commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. You shall have no other gods before me. Nothing shall come above me. Now, in the Bible, when we see the word love, we see that it is both a feeling and an action. And this is also true in sort of our modern day-to-day -day living out of love in relationships. Love is both a feeling and an action. And I don't know if you've ever thought about sort of the relationship of this or even reflected on it in your own life. Do you tend to lean into the feeling of love or the action of love? Is one more readily available to you than the other? Which one is sort of the most active in your life. You know, for many of us in faith, I've heard it said again and again, I just don't feel like God loves me. I just don't feel his love. 
Yet his action towards us to send his son was so, so, so great. You know, in my family of origin, I believed as a young girl that in order to receive my parents' love and approval, that I had to be good. I, I just had to be a good girl. I had to not cause a lot of waves, a lot of problems. I just sort of picked this up. And I don't think my parents ever intentionally set out for me to pick up this message. But somewhere along the way, I just decided that this was the way that I needed to earn their love. And in my family, love was definitely expressed in action. Love was expressed by my family and parents caring for us, supporting us, providing for us, um, doing things for us. There was an, the action of love that was expressed all the time. But the feeling of love, so the side where there is an expression of love in words, this uh, affection, physical touch, sort of the feeling side of love wasn't as readily available. My background, my father was born in Germany, so we come from a German background. If you're German here today, maybe similarly so, there wasn't as much of a demonstrative um, approach to love in your upbringing like mine. Now, we knew that we were love, absolutely, but love was shown much more in action than in words. And this affected my relationship with love. So when I got into a relationship with Jason, I had a hard time with the expressive and the feeling side of love. It wasn't that I didn't feel love for him. I felt great love for him, but I had a hard time expressing that love. And it caused problems in our relationship. We had to work through and I had to grow in this area. And funny enough, the first time that I visited Life Center, and this would have been like way back, Jason and I had a long distance relationship. And so I'd come to visit him and I'd come to his church for the very first time. And the very first time I came to church, there was a, 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 a little church lady who walked up to me. And I, like she, I, nobody knows me. No one's ever met me before. She walks up to me and she gives me a hug and she says, love you, Lore. And like, I was like, like, you have to imagine, like, this is, I, I'm not affectionate. I don't say I love you. Like, Jason was the first person I ever actually said the words, I love you out loud. I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. It's the first person I ever said. She hugs me, and she says, I lo love you, Lore, okay? So I'm standing here like this. Definitely didn't hug her back. Like, I'm like this, and I'm so uncomfortable. And, and number one, I'm like, okay, who are you? Number two... Um, why are you touching me? Number three, um, you can't tell me you love me. You don't even know me. And number four, Laura is only used by my closest family and friends. I've never met you. you. I haven't given you permission to call me Laura yet. Like all of this is going on in my head, right? I'm so, so, so uncomfortable. And sure enough, I realized, wow, there's actually a lot of these church ladies at this church. <laughs> Like, they, they just kept coming. They just kept coming again and again, and I knew something was different. And when the Holy Spirit arrested my heart a couple of years later, it was almost as though an outpouring from heaven of God's love just poured straight into my heart and my spirit, that, that I was just so overcome with the love of God. And I realized in that moment, wow, 
Like God truly does love me. He, he loves me completely and wholly. And, and he's poured out like, like, a, like a waterfall of his love, washed over me, washed over my spirit, washed all of the, the hardness and the protection and the fear of love and all of that washed away in that moment. And I became that church lady. Like I literally, like from that encounter, like looked at strangers and I just felt this love for them. And I I wanted to go up to them and give them a hug and be like, I love you. Like you are awesome. And, and, and I realized, okay, yeah, okay. This is how this works. This is how this works. Now, I think it's really, really important. The love of God has been such an important anchoring for my faith walk. And I know that the love of God is a hard one for so many of us. It's a hard one for us to receive. It's a hard one for us to believe. But before we continue talking about loving Jesus and giving Jesus our all, I think we need to just anchor into this truth and this reality in our faith right now. And so can we just take a pause right here and right now in the service? Let's just take a pause and let's just anchor into this reality. And, 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 and what, what do I mean when I say that? You know, right now you're kind of sitting in a posture of listening. Okay. I'm, I'm up here and I'm speaking and I'm telling, and you're in this posture of listening, but I want you sort of just to shift your posture right now. And I want you just to shift your posture for a moment into a posture of receiving from the Holy Spirit. And, and you might say, well, how do I do that? Well, you literally just do that by saying, Holy Spirit, I'm listening. Holy Spirit, I'm here. And so if you're comfortable and you want to, you can close your eyes. If you want to just, you know, open your palms on your lap, just kind of just so your physical body is like, you know, kind of in a receiving posture, you can do that. But I, I just want to invite you to receive afresh today a revelation of the love of God. Holy Spirit, we just invite you right into this space right now to pour out from heaven an outpouring of your love straight into our hearts, straight into our spirits. Would you just wash us with your love? Would you wash away any barriers to your love? We just sit in this moment and we just receive it. And I I just want you to say, even just in your spirit or out loud if you wish, but just in your spirit say, I believe you love me. I believe you love me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. And just in this sort of environment of just listening to the Holy Spirit and receiving a fresh revelation and a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I want to tell you just a little story to sort of illustrate how much God loves you. There was a man at the airport that was sitting on his phone, just like most of the people that were waiting to board their flights were just looking at their phone, distracted. And this man was looking at his phone, and all of a sudden, he says out loud, my daughter is in the airport. I, I haven't seen my daughter. And he's saying this out loud. My I haven't seen my daughter in over two years. She's here in the airport. I'm, I'm going to see my daughter. She's here. And this, like, excitement sort of bursts out that he couldn't even contain, and he's just saying this out loud to nobody and everybody all at the same time. And, and so 
a few minutes later, you know, he begins looking down, you know, the hallway to see when she's coming. And a few minutes later, he catches eyes with her and they run to one another and they embrace right there in the airport and they're just hugging and it looks like they're crying and they're just so happy to be seeing each other and 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 having this encounter this opportunity to be together and and they're just holding each other and he's just looking at her and he's just taking her in and and just so so happy to see her and she she kind of pulls away for a second and kneels down on the ground and starts ruffling through her backpack and she starts pulling things out of her backpack that she has to give him and she's like giving him little things I don't know that you know maybe she had prepared for him or little things that he likes and she's pulling out these little things and she's giving it little treats and snacks and little things that she's giving him and he just he stops her and he grabs her face he cups her face in his hands and he he just lifts her face up to look at him and he just looks in her eyes and it's almost as though in that moment he's saying it's not about the things that you have to bring me. It's not about all the things you've prepared and the things that you've brought. I just want to look at your face. I just want to be with you in this moment. And I believe that for you and for me as followers of Jesus, this is the type of revelation that God wants us to have about how much he loves us is that it's not about all the things we do for him. It's not about the earning or the striving or all the things we have to bring him. It's not about our offerings and our sacrifices. He just longs to be with us. And so I just want you to imagine just right now that God the Father is just cupping your face and just lifting your eyes up and fixing your eyes on him in this moment. And just receive, receive the love that he has for you. In Deuteronomy 10, verse 12, our, our scripture and our theme kind of continues with some actions and the ways that our love can be expressed to God. And it says this, and now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, and to serve your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Do you notice how similar this is to what Jesus said in Matthew 22? When it comes to love, God always goes first. That's the gift and that's his grace to us. When it comes to us loving God, we are called to do so with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. And this love is both a feeling and an action. And these actions can be fearing the Lord, walking in his ways, loving him and serving him. And I'm not sure if you've noticed, but we've left out a very important word in these scriptures, a very small but a very important word that is both the expectation and the answer to this question that we're asking today. From God, who always goes first, what is his expectation of our love? His expectation is all. Everybody say all. All our heart, all our soul, all our strength, and all our mind. And all leaves no room for another. 
It isn't how Jesus said that we're to love one another. No, he said we're to love our neighbor as ourself. There's actually a distinction between how we're called to love Jesus and how we're called to love each other. Jesus wants our all. All is not written, but is the essence of the very first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. Nothing else should come in front of me. But let's unpack what all really means. You know, all doesn't mean all of the time, but means wholly with all of who we are, wholeheartedly, completely. And when the Bible says to bring your whole tithe into the storehouse, he doesn't say, give me all of your money. No, he's saying bring all of that first 10%. When the Bible teaches us to pray without ceasing, it doesn't mean only pray all of the time. No, it means just bring your whole self, your whole heart into prayer and be easily given over to pray. It's so, so beautiful when we're in our everyday lives and everyday conversations to just stop and pause and pray about the things we're talking about. Pray about the things and the concerns that are on our hearts. Just pause right in the middle of a conversation. God may move in a powerful, powerful way. All your heart means your whole heart. The first place, the only place. And Jesus uses the example of marriage to describe the love that he has for us. And even in a marriage relationship, we're not called to give everything to each other. We're called to be completely faithful to each other. Jason can love other things like the senators, which he does. (laughs) And our marriage is not his only priority. But we are wholly committed and wholly and completely faithful to one another over every other earthly relationship. And this is the invitation that Jesus has for you and I. And I want to point out and show you where we find this in Mark 10 in the story of the rich young ruler. And as I read this story, I want you just to watch for how Jesus uses the word all. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man... As he, as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him. I never noticed before that it said that the man ran up and knelt before him. What an interesting posture. What an interesting, completely wholehearted posture. This man saw Jesus and knew he had something that he wanted, and he ran up to him, maybe similarly to this father who ran up to his daughter in the airport and knelt down before him. And he said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. And Jesus said to him, you know the commandments. Do not murder Do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all of these I have kept from my youth. Interesting, right? All the commandments, that's six of the 10 commandments. He said, I haven't murdered, I haven't defrauded since I was a youth. I've been following in your ways. I've been doing all the actions of love. I've been doing all the right things. I've been living as an honorable person, a godly person. And Jesus said, looking at him, 
He loved him. And there's that posture again. Jesus looking at him, loving him. But he said to him this, you lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. There's an invitation that Jesus is offering him. Does it come with a sacrifice? Yeah, it does. But the invitation is a good one. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. Come and follow me. Wow, not many receive that personal invitation from Jesus. Come and follow me. And disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. From a place of love, from a place of utter love for this man, Jesus leaned in to these two things. You have a love to which you've given your all to. And it's not me. Even though you've kept my commandments and you've done all the right things, but there's something you love more than me. Have no other gods before me. And because something else has your all, you won't be able to love your neighbor as yourself. Because your all has first place. You see, God goes first, and God expects our all. And our all is this lifelong pursuit of practicing, placing our love for God before all else. And it's important to understand why this is the case. It's because God went before us and first loved us. The only reason that we can love is because we have been loved by God. This is his redemption plan for the whole world. They will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for one another. This is his plan that we learn and walk in and embrace this love from a place of giving Jesus our first so that all will know that we are his disciples. And it's important for us to ask ourselves today and every day, do the people in my life know that I follow Jesus by the love that I have for them? Is that how they know or do they know it's because I go to church on Sunday or do they know it's because of the rules that I follow? I don't drink and I don't watch certain movies. Do they know that you are a follower of Jesus because of how much you love them. One of the most challenging things that Jesus said about this was in Matthew chapter 10, verses 37 to 39. Whoever loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What is Jesus challenging here? If we try to find our lives, ourselves, our way, in our external alls, what's going to happen? We will lose it. Will we trust a loving God before all else? That will enable us to best love one another and to find the true life that Jesus promised to each and every one of us. Loving Jesus with all your heart and soul and mind and strength can look a little different for each one of us because your whole or your all is going to look different than my whole and my all. 
If I brought my all into the gym, it's going to look different than my sister's all who works out every single day. I just happened to cancel my gym membership yesterday because I haven't been in a really, really long time and I don't want to spend the money anymore. So my all when I do exercise is going to look different than hers who spends a lot of time in the gym. And it's important that we don't compare our all one to another. And the same goes for what has our all. That question is going to look different for each and every one of us. For some of us, the thing that has first place might be our marriage. It might be our children. It might be our career. It might be our possessions. It might be ourselves. What has first place? And Jesus because he loves us so much, he's going to continually put his finger on that all. He's going to touch on that all. And it is out of his great love for us because he wants us to experience the true and abundant life that can only come through putting him first. The story of the rich young ruler in Mark 10, the man loved his possessions more and before God. And because of this, his life moved in the direction of his affections. And that's what happens with you and with I in everything. Our life is going to move in the direction of our all. That's what our focus is going to be on. That's what we're going to worry the most about. That's what we're going to spend our time on. That's what we're going to spend our resources on. And so these are the spaces we need to bring before the Lord. The man loved his possessions more and before God. That meant self over God, self over others, self over salvation, self over following Jesus, because all leaves no room for another. Doesn't matter what the focus of the all is. And our all is a lifelong pursuit in learning to place God before others from a place of love. But we all have an all that we struggle with and all that we need to continually lay down and surrender before God. Have you chosen your all? Where is your all? Is Jesus your number one? Is he in first place? Do you wholeheartedly with you, all of your mind and all of your soul and all of your heart and all of your strength, love him before all else? When we get this revelation, we are empowered to love in a different way. You know, I've sat with young adults who are struggling with their faith, and, and I know as parents and friends and loved ones, our greatest desire is that our kids, is that our loved ones would serve Jesus. There's nothing more that we would want and long for and desire. And I, I've sat with many young adults, and they're wrestling with their faith, and they have said to me, you know, all my parents want for me is to serve Jesus and go to church. That's all they desire, and I feel like unless I serve Jesus, they won't really love me and accept me. Shouldn't it be just the opposite? 
Shouldn't our kids feel our love first and that's what draws them? And I, I, I mean, absolutely no, I mean, no judgment at all. Listen, I walk this out every single day. This is a challenge. But shouldn't our love for Jesus cause us to be the most loving people that there is? That it's not that people feel that they can't have a relationship with us unless they too love Jesus, but that actually they feel the love of Jesus for them and it draws them into relationship with Jesus, if not immediately, eventually. Do we have the long-term vision for that? Do we have the patience for that? But listen, this is tough stuff. This is tough stuff. When we love God first, when we put our all in our love for God before all else, that love sustains us to love everything else. You see, where we put our all proves what we trust most. We place our love for God before when we uncomfortably focus on our following. Now, I want to take another Holy Spirit pause just right here. And I want us just together to ask the Holy Spirit to show us our true hearts. We say that we love God, and and we do, and it is sincere, and we mean this. But today, Holy Spirit, we just pause and we ask you to help us to honestly discern where we have placed our all. We ask you to help us to discern if there is anything before you, if there's anything that is taken first place. Is there anything that we trust more than you? Let's just, let's just sit in this and ask him. And if anything comes to mind, I just encourage you to gently just repent, to just say, God, I'm, I'm so sorry for how I've put my family over you. I'm sorry for how I've put my career, how I've put my security over you, God. It's been a driver in my life. God, I'm so sorry for how I've been so self-sufficient. I've somehow put myself over you, God. I'm so sorry. Would you receive my confession today? We see the opposite to this Mark 10 story found in Acts chapter 2. And as we just prepare to wrap up today, I'm going to read it for you. Acts 2, verses 42 to 47, and watch again for the word all. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. What happened that was different in Acts 2 than in Mark 10? In Acts 2, they uncomfortably focused on following Jesus. And did it cost them something? Yes. Yes, it absolutely did. But they gained everything too. They followed Jesus with their all by placing him before all else. And in doing so, 
Exactly what Jesus said would happen, happened to them. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. When we love God with all of our hearts and all of our souls and all of our minds and place him before all else, we will experience the fullness of the love that he has for us expressed one to another. It's a game changer. It's an absolute game changer. And where we don't and where we won't, we've already lost no matter what it is that we have to gain. Father, we thank you so much for your word today. And God, where there's conviction in our hearts, God, we receive it. We don't push it away. We receive it. We want to hear from you because, God, ultimately, we do want to receive all that you have provided for us, that you have provided so graciously through the cross and because of the love that you have for us. So again today, would you baptize us in your love? Would you draw us into the place of trusting that we can put you in first place, that we don't have to hang on to our alls in all other areas, but God, that we can receive the fullness of what you have for us and trust you to bring all else that we have need of. God, we trust you. We believe that you love us. We anchor into this today, and we place you as our all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.